0: Hi, and welcome to Secular Homeschooling with Blair and Amy, a podcast series from C-Homeschoolers and Homeschoolers. This is episode one, recording October 7th, and I'm here with Blair. Hey, Blair. Hi, Amy. How are you? I'm so excited we're finally doing this. We've been talking about it for a little while now. We have been talking about it for a little while. One of the things that I've been hearing from
1: people online, how excited they are that we're going to do a, a podcast together. We have known each other for a long time. It's when someone in C found that out, they were really excited. I remember when I met you, Amy. Do you remember when we met in
0: your hometown? Yeah. Well, you came for that, the Nash conference. So it's like secular homeschool history. Was it then National Alliance of Secular Homeschoolers? Yeah, that was the name.
1: That was the acronym. It is too bad that Nash didn't make it. It is. It's an organization that I think we could have used. We could use now.
0: Well, yeah, I, I was. I was gonna say, don't get your hopes up because Nash sounds awesome, but it's not around anymore. But that is where we met. Gosh, has it been like ten years? I think it's been almost ten years
1: has to have been 10 years ago let me think
0: yes nash was a long time ago you and
1: i and we hit it off right away we have a really we're both bubbly we both love to talk we are both really friendly and and i i've got to admit so you already had homeschool live magazine well (laughs) i was so nervous i was like i'll never forget the first article of mine that you accepted Asked me so, if i would going call him, so that was a long time ago.
0: Well, so, so we should we should probably introduce ourselves. Like it's always hard for me to think that there's anybody in the secular homeschool world who doesn't know who Blair is. I will name drop Blair and just expect everybody to know who she is, and everybody always does. Blair, <laughs> <laughs> but will you for the purposes of this podcast, will you just introduce? Tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Blair Lee. I am a longtime
1: scientist, educator, homeschooler. Uh, I have written several science courses for the Real Science Odyssey series. I've also I also write about project-based learning, and I write a lot these days about how people learn. That is something that has fascinated me since I was, or young. Since I was in school, high school is when I really started becoming fascinated with that. And as an extension of that, in 2014, I formed C homeschoolers. I was looking for a place to talk about innovative academic homeschooling, and I just couldn't find it. And so I started C. I thought it would be really small. It's not. We're getting really close to having 91,000 members in one of our groups. We have Over 100,000 families across our different platforms who are a part of C. And C Homeschoolers, and this is why people know me, because I founded C Homeschoolers. And C Homeschoolers is a community-focused, community-led organization. And if you ever need help with homeschooling, it is a great resource to the, the Facebook group, it, I, I just think it's the best forum on, in all secular homeschooling for sure to go and get help with your homeschooling so you can successfully homeschool. That is the goal. The end goal of the homeschoolers is to help you be successful homeschooling. And, and anybody that doesn't know who Amy Sharoni is should. Amy's been around a long time in this community and you have been providing resources and the information and support for the, our community for since as long as I've been a part of it.
0: Now, since I guess like like 2012, I guess, is when we started Homeschool Life, which is crazy so long ago. So was- why did you start it? So I started it because I never thought that I would be a homeschooler. I just wasn't something that crossed my mind. I was, I worked full time. I, I was a professional parent, you know, like I, I dropped my kids off at school. I had gone to traditional school and it had been great for me. You know, I had gotten into good colleges and gone to graduate school and never stopped enjoying learning. But my oldest, my daughter was in second grade at our local public school and I support public schools. I volunteered there once a week, but I, I always get a little choked up tough because I feel so guilty about it even now. She was having a terrible time with getting calls and notes from her teacher every day saying things like, Oh, your daughter was a while she was taking her spelling test. Oh, your daughter was sitting on her knees in her chair. Oh, your daughter was doodling on her math worksheet. And I I really do understand that classroom management is a big part of a public school teacher's job. And I, I'm not trying to be critical of public school teachers, but I could literally see the joy draining out of my child who had always loved learning, who had a book in her, her nose in a book all the time. So, so we pulled her out of school when I said, well, let's just homeschool until we figure out what to do next. And we ended up homeschooling all the way through high school. And my second child, my youngest, has only been homeschooled. So I started homeschooling because it was really surprising to me how loud and everywhere the voice of, I'm going to call it conservative, right-wing, Christian homeschooling. Because I think that's what it is. I don't think it's religious homeschoolers. I think it's conservative, right-wing, Christian homeschoolers. I feel like like this is a weird area to talk around, because yeah, I think that that we run into this where there is this really loud fundamentalist Christian right wing voice, but isn't representing a religious homeschoolers specifically representing the Christian homeschooler. That loud voice is actually you and
1: I have came c- come to decide to do this podcast. That voice is finding its way into policy making decisions in public school and i feel like secular homeschooling has come to be an important question
0: for honesty and truth in academics it's such a good point because like that's why i started homeschool life that's part of why you started c that's why we started this podcast because secular homeschooling honestly has never felt like a more radical, important thing to do in the world, I think, than it does right so, now. I'm camping, everyone. I'm in mm-hmm. this remote area.
1: And I was really thinking about this yesterday when I was hiking. And so I just trying just for the most part, we just appreciate truths. I mean, it's just like and even when it's uncomfortable, and I'm going to tell you right now, for people who understand the science, global warming and climate change are really uncomfortable. They just are. And so it comes down to, even when it's uncomfortable, secular academic homeschoolers are willing to teach their children the truth and the facts. Because it's interesting, because we just had BN Book Week, and how many... Books are banned because they made someone uncomfortable. Well, and so then you, and in most cases, these people are white, you start whitewashing everything because what else makes you uncomfortable? Makes people uncomfortable that their ancestors might have enslaved people or that they didn't treat Indigenous people well. That's like the understatement of the century. But it's, I think it's kind of scary. It's gotten to the point, it feels like. In some public school systems where, and again, we are not anti teacher. We do not, a lot of teachers are at the forefront of fighting back about this. But it feels like we're at a time where there is this revisionistism of curriculum in a way that is designed to inculcate children to a narrow minded, racist, misogynistic, Anti-LGBTQ, anti-science, anti-honest history, hateful representation of information, and it people need to stand up and speak out. And uh, Amy and I, because we are well-known secular homeschoolers, decided to do it. So I hope you, I hope you're all on this ride with us today. We're going to talk a little bit about how we got here and the rest of the episodes we're going to really talk to people to help them homeschool some issues. We really
0: want to dig into some of the subjects where you know it's hard to find good secular resources and it's hard to know the way to approach subjects because the resources aren't out there and so so we just kind of want to talk through some things that we've done and some things that we'd like to do some things that we think might help you. I mean, we're kind of all in this together. We're all working on this process of decolonizing the curriculum, t- teaching honest history, honest science, teaching with the understanding that, that facts change. of Our understanding of the facts changes. Which I think it's something that gets left out a lot in some kind of more traditional curricula. So we're really excited about it because, I mean, I don't think it's an overstatement to say that we passionately care about this. We spend a lot of time separately and together thinking about that.
1: C's actually evolved from where it started. So C, when I first thought of C, I actually wanted to name it eclectic secular academic homeschooling because what I was really looking for was actually an eclectic group of homeschoolers. And there were some people using that term, but that wasn't really that common of a term at the time. Now people use it all the time. And it just means you don't necessarily ascribe to any methodology. And then the secular academics, that was a given. But I foresee to, as a place to talk about how people were academic homeschoolers, what innovations they were doing and how we could be innovative with it. Secular academic has come to take a really primary focus for why people come to see And it's because we have held the line. We hear from people all the time that they think that you're too strict. We would like you to rewrite. You know, they'll find someone who's rewritten a definition of secular to fit their curriculum. And we will deal with that with people. And the amount of energy and work that goes into keeping secular academic space, secular academic is surprising. I had no idea, and I had no idea that C would become that space. It wasn't because it wasn't really what it was intended, but I'm a scientist. And I have a degree in evolutionary biology, chemistry, and environmental chemistry. There was absolutely no way, none, that we were going to start misdating science. And because of my work that I've done in service work and just my philosophy of life in the world there was no way that we were going to start revising history to make it more comfortable for white
0: colonists <laughs> i've always appreciated the holding that i think that people who 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 wish that you would relax that have never lived in a world where there wasn't a C holding that hard line, because I lived in that world, right? That's the world I started homeschooling in. And there are dozens and dozens of sites that don't vet for secular curriculum, that include curriculum. There's no reason that people who want to use an inclusive curriculum or a non-sectarian curriculum can't use that. I really appreciate that when I see a curriculum on the seaboard, I know 100% that it's killer, And that, I mean, that is a big project and one, I know I'm not the only person who appreciates. Almost every other place besides sea
1: that you go to is going to be a lot more loose. So my feeling has always been go there. Don't try to change C because it's. Come to take a really important place in the homeschool community. Well, Amy and I, by the way, write curriculum, and I've always understood that what I'm writing it not for everyone. You have to find something that's right for you. It is truly the beauty of homeschooling that you get to make those decisions and those choices. For those of you who agree with Amy and I, that The history that is taught to children should be honest, as honest as you can make it, should represent facts in a way that does. it's best not to introduce bias. If you think that you want your children learning science as it happens or as we best understand it to happen, then this is a good podcast for you to be
0: listening to. And if that doesn't resonate with you, there are a lot of (laughs) other podcasts for you. I have been so frustrated in recent years by, I, I've seen a lot of non secular curriculum companies putting out critical thinking curriculum, And the big idea behind their critical thinking curriculum is that you should be willing to listen to the other side of an argument, which is lovely if you're arguing about, I don't know what you should have for dinner. Or who's the best teenage mutant Ninja Turtle? But when you are talking about science, when you're saying there is no other side to evolution, there is no other side to the people should have civil rights because they're people. There, there's no other side to those things that we have to respect. Slavery was an inherent bad thing. Like there's no other side to that. When I used to go
1: to homeschool conferences in California, there was. A period of time where I would have people come up to me to tell me that I was as biased about science as the religious people were because I did not present creationism. And this just actually gets to kind of one of the problems that I see right now. And it is that people are upset when they really believe something with other people who aren't willing to treat those things as facts. I speak for most scientists. If you can present evidence that there is a supreme being who created organisms, we're on. We want to see it, okay? But until that happens, it doesn't have a place in science. It's a philosophy, a A very good friend of mine who's a person of faith said to me many years ago, they said, well, Blair, what it takes is a leap of faith, which is great. But your faith isn't equal to hard facts and they don't deserve a place in science theories. But it's way bigger, this whole belief thing right now. People are upset that beliefs don't trump facts. And one of the reasons we're talking about this is at this time is the person who we're going the word Trump for casual conversation. Because he has managed to to really change how strong people are about holding on to their beliefs and insisting that others confirm that they're facts. Right? And it's not just him. One person isn't doing this. But other people have picked that up. And it's like
0: a movement. It's like people. a night guy. There's like this entire crowd of people who just make up facts. And it's hard to, it is hard for a thoughtful person to know what to do. With, like at first, I genuinely would try to engage with people and their made up facts. But I realized that that's not even, they just, that that's not actually what they want. They don't actually want anyone to engage with their made up facts. And no. I don't want to send my kids out into the world. Not understanding the difference between somebody's belief system and something that's objectively, scientifically, historically true, to. they have
1: been extremely clever. Like they're these are brilliant people, by the way, who are crafting what they're going to do as the next step. For many of us, we were unprepared for how much of this group was going to fight. I think we really need to realize is we are seeing a rise in indoctrination. I think we need to call it that. And you might think a bunch of people aren't going to believe that. If indoctrination were not that successful, humans wouldn't have been doing it since. So I think if you go back in human history, right? When indoctrination becomes a part of your culture, when the things that you're trying to indoctrinate people become a part of your culture, then yeah, you can change people's views on things. But as a cohort, the secular academic community is really poised. I think we're in a special position to have control over what our kid, the materials our kids use, and so it becomes really, really important that we push away those the sorts of materials and information that is geared to indoctrinate children into thinking along par- a party line and give them the honest representation of facts, theories, and whatever other type of information. Kids can take that information, that knowledge out into the world as a counterpoint to and to get back to what you were talking about, too, as a counterpoint to the people who are saying we need to listen to both sides, I, I, now I'm not against listening to both sides, but sometimes, no, you don't. Yeah, I don't think that you that that an American person who's offended or who's looking for reparations who thinks that that's important. I don't think that they should that that they're being unfair. They refuse to to converse with Klan members. Yeah. I just don't. And
0: I think that to put, to even say that, I I find it offensive, don't you, Amy? I absolutely do. I think that where we are right now reminds me so much of, I, I teach reconstruction, the period after the Civil War. It's one of my favorite things to teach because, you know, it comes with all of this amazing potential. And I think of it as I, I really see an echo of this in like the Obama presidency. Because I feel like so many of us thought that when Obama was elected, it was like a symbol of all the things that we had fixed and healed and made better in our country. I mean, I felt that way. I and potential. Totally what you see is you see this reactionary pushback. You see people who are like, oh, no, 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 no. Who want to ruin it. I, I mean, I think like a very dramatic way of saying it, but I think who want to ruin it any way that they can. And that's exactly what we see in Reconstruction. The you remember when he gave this speech, when he gave that,
1: like a lot of, I'm, I'm going to be really honest, like a lot of white people, I thought, really? I think your presidency is not in the kitchen that we're past that. And of course, he had much more insight, much more brilliant than me. And he was, you know, dealing with things that as a white woman, I've never dealt with that sort of oh, or the racism, both overt and covert. That, and I think that he was trying to start a movement and too many people were coal about the movement. And, and he was right because behind the scenes, these races, like the further thing and all of those things, we didn't take it seriously. And he understood how, that it was really serious and that the movement was gaining traction. And then a woman is huh, being, you know, the Democratic hopeful after Obama. And that group just said, First, an African-American, and then a woman. That's not happening. And they managed to get enough support for Trump. It was to elect Trump. One of the
0: worst nights of my life, the election trends coming in that night. I mean, one of the... I I I can't remember another time that I felt so hopeless. There have been terrible things since then, but like that was so unexpected and just... And then, what I think of, so I like this analogy,
1: where let's say you let mice loose in the walls of your house, where the wiring is, and so once you get rid of the mice, you can have an electrician come in and patch things up, but unless you you're never going to fix everything, and so one of the issues i I thought of Trump's presidency like that, so like I pay a lot of attention to science issues and environmental issues that uh, there's he did. So many things. The with of, like, really extreme conservatives did so many things that it's like mice. We're fixing some of them, but we can't fix. We're not getting to fix all of them. But it also tore a Band-Aid off. Like, look, at Texas and Florida. It's like, they're rewriting academics and all of the states that are banning books and adopting principles like Florida and Texas. We have a fight on our hands, Joel. and it's not just a U.S. fight. This is happening globally. Those of us who are secular academic, even if you're not a homeschooler, but since you're listening to this, you probably are <laughs> school. We need to stand up. So Amy and I, one of the things we've talked about is how this came to be the activist issue that the two of us think so we're going to spend really probably the rest of our lives fighting. Mine certainly, I'm older than you are, Amy. We both are going to continue working, continue writing, continue doing the other things we do. But both Amy and I have always done activism. And this is not where I thought I would spend my after my son graduated. This isn't the activist work I thought I'd be doing. I thought I'd be abolishing prisons what about you? I thought that I would be doing two things. I thought that I would teach science to women who had been imprisoned so that they could then become nurses. Or I thought that I would volunteer at an indigenous reservation. My father-in-law did that. Well, he was a paid employee, but I would donate it. And that I would help increased science literacy you know, to people in marginalized communities. And that is not what I'm going to spend my time and because I, it is too important that those of us who understand and who have a presence in the secular academic community stand up and say, this is an important issue. This is why you should care about this issue. This is why you should make sure you teach your child from this perspective.
0: It always feels silly to say, I think this could change the world. But honestly, I I really do believe that secular academic homeschoolers have the ability to make the world a better place and not just for our kids, even though I think it obviously makes the world a better place for our kids, but for everybody. One of the reasons that we keep saying secular academic
1: is because we don't think this is a secular or non-secular issue. There are a lot of people of faith in our shared community who are teaching their children science, yeah. the evidence as it happened, and history in a way that honestly reflects the people whose history is being told.
0: Yeah, and I, I guess it's just a good time to kind of, kind of take a moment and say that the two people talking to you in this podcast are both. I mean, we are just rolling in the privilege of our lives. We are both white middle-class women who have been fortunate enough to have excellent education, who've been able to, you know, start and run successful businesses. And so we are not trying to speak for anyone else except for ourselves. But since we have this privilege, we're like, what is the best thing that we can do with it? And the best thing that we can do with it is to try to use it to make the world a little bit better for everybody. So that all children have
1: the same advantages that Amy and I did. Or that the the male versions of us did.
0: Definitely there are challenges to being a woman in the world. So I hope that we have taken from that empathy. But we would never pretend that we have experienced what other people have experienced. We never try to occupy things that is more appropriately occupied by someone else. But I know that most of the people in my home school community are privileged white women who want to do a better job. And so I think together, us trying to do that is, is just really important. And we're not putting that emotional labor on other people. I run a little school, and I would say that eighty percent of our students are LGBTQ plus in some way or another, including my own. So, so it's definitely something that we care a lot about. Even though I am again a straight white woman, so you'll see Amy and I be soft around some issues where
1: wait because as an ally, we obviously don't want to
0: say that we know the way certain things should be presented. What we're looking at is the academic and how right. can you approach this subject academically? And that is something that we are very good at because we are both giant nerds. Giant nerds who have spent a lot of time thinking in these spaces. Sometimes
1: it's really subtle. Sometimes it's obvious, that is, is evolution in materials or not? What isn't always it's obvious is the... So what's the ancestry of all of the people who are presented? And that is, that's more subtle, right? But it's also equally as important. And so when Amy says we're nerds, we have spent time in the trenches thinking about how to create resources and vet resources, because it's not all about just the two of us creating, but also vetting resources So that every child that uses those will see individuals in there that represent them in a positive way.
0: I'm sure that there will be times where we get it wrong. And if we do, I hope that you'll tell us. I hope that you'll call us out and call us in. And, you know, we're not going to be defensive if you tell us that we've done something wrong. We're not going to tell you how you should feel about something that we've done. We're going to listen. We're going to take the feedback and we're going to do better because that, that again is part of our agenda as people who are working to make secular counseling a safe and inclusive space for everybody. Those
1: are big conversations. I love to have conversations with,
0: I don't like to have
1: conversations with people who are trying to get me to honor their belief or opinion as fact, but conversations about these gray areas, these nuanced areas, you know, I think actually those are really important to have, and I think those are really important to help our children be able to negotiate as well. So, Amy, can we jump back? Did you say everything you wanted to say about resources that were written by people who wanted us to talk about both sides?
0: I think so. I I just, I just noticed that there was this trend in the homeschool world where all of a sudden There were all these critical thinking books. And it was very exciting because I was like, I love critical thinking. I want critical thinking books. And reading them was really disappointing because they weren't, they were asking you to be tolerant of people's wrong opinions. Instead of trying to engage with people to kind of reach a consensus. I just think that there are things that there's not another side to. Like, was slavery bad? It was bad, period. I don't want to hear your other side. And I definitely don't think that a person of color should have to hear your other side. I was reading a book recently. It was
1: nonfiction. It was a story of a group of kids. I think they were in Philadelphia. They were Puerto Rican. And they're at an alternative school, micro school, and they're taking the kids. This um, teacher is taking the kids to museums and other venues in an area that was majority white. And the kids were really uncomfortable. One of the kids said, I'm really uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable being in spaces where there are, you know, that's mostly middle class white. Kids. I wonder how we can do the work as Caucasian people to make it more comfortable for,
0: you know, a Puerto Rican high school student to in a space that is largely populated by people who look like you and me. Make homeschool spaces where everybody is is really welcome and feels that way. It is a big question. I think it's one we're going to talk about a lot in this podcast because I think it's one of the important questions of secular homeschooling today. I think it's really important that we make
1: sure that we use resources that reflect people and we'll talk about those and we'll talk about the topics. And I think it's important that there is equal representation. If you're wondering why if you get into see and bring up a curriculum and people get on there and say that curriculum doesn't do a good job of presenting lgbtq the lgbtq community it doesn't include those voices well you know some people brush that off but why is that important that's important so that those marginalized communities it normalizes their presence it normalizes them
0: as an important part of human, right? Mm. And that's what, that's it, right? My kid likes to say that books are being banned now about people who are just existing while gay. And I'm like, yeah, that is, that is, yeah, that is a big problem. And so when all of a
1: sudden we lost the right to choose and within just a very short period of time, we morphed over to, Trans, bad, bad, bad. Basically, not. The may not feel that way, everyone. But it's going to be bad for trans people this election season. the The anti-choice, you know, arm of politics won. So what is? This? So they need another issue to get people to the polls. And it, yeah, has been really tough. I mean, that pulling the trans, the T in an LGBTQ plus seems to me to have opened that up to not just it's pushing toward people who are trans but toward that entire community like your did you say son some student somebody you, who you, one of your students said that it's just about being
0: gay, it's it's about you're gay while not being straight yeah okay. and it shouldn't be like it really shouldn't be like when in homeschooling, we have the ability to push back
1: against that because we are the community that gets to choose. We're the community of diversity. We're the community that celebrates differences. And so I'm hoping that we can convince people to really take a hard look at the importance, how they can normally choose resources.
0: Yeah. So, and... For our next episode, our our first sort of official episode, this is a hi, nice to meet you episode. For our first episode, we're actually gonna be applying that to the world of critical thinking. Specifically, we're gonna be talking about how to teach critical thinking in your homeschool. What are some good resources to use? What are some good strategies to use? Blair and I are both really big critical thinking fans. We're very excited. We have many ideas. And you may be wondering, how long will this podcast be? How many episodes will there be? And the answer is we have no idea. We may just keep doing it forever. Blair and I have a lot to say about this. And if you have suggestions for things that you'd like to hear us talk about, shoot us an email. You can email podcast at Uh You can email Blair at homeschoolers.com. Let us know what you're thinking. and We would love, 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 love your input and ideas. For future episodes.
1: So, you, you know what I think would be a good third episode, Amy? What? After talking about critical thinking, I think it'd be really good for you and I to dive into CRT, apply some critical thinking skills to that, show people how they might talk to their children to actually
0: present race theory to their children and look. also help them understand what it is not. Call them many, many things. And isn't. one of the things it's not, if
1: you really understand that, is controversial unless you are a white Christian nationalist racist. I think that group might find it controversial, but for all the rest of us, there's nothing really controversial about it. And I feel so upset for the people of color who are fighting hard to push back against that. That is just work that I don't think they should have to be doing. Oh and it gets to the heart of people say, if feeling like that group needs to talk to the opposing side. And so we'll get into CRT. If you're not really positive about what
0: it is, we'll join Amy and I for a deep dive. Yeah. So you're recording every Saturday, except for when Blair is in Machu Picchu, which is (laughs) fair. I hope she'll bring us back some pictures, though. And I guess that is a wrap for episode one of Secular Homeschooling with Blair and Amy, a podcast series from Being Homeschoolers and Homeschool Life. We loved getting to talk to you, and we'll see you back here soon.